You know what this was lacking is gyrocopters. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at the lack of gyrocopters in this fucking thing. Oh, you know why? I don't think helicopters even existed quite yet. In 1950? Uh, Not in mass. Not in mass. They only successfully started getting used around the Korean War. Really? Yeah. I thought they were older than that. No. I mean, just because Da Vinci made the weird picture of the thing. The sky screw thing? Yep. Sky screw. It's not called the Mile High Club, man. We went down the rivers. We crossed the plains. And the USA. USA. Well, I remember as a kid, they had the old popular mechanics. They were trying to sell you these. I think they were supposed to run off used vacuum cleaner motors, but it was like. It's like you sit on this kind of go-kart looking contraption and it has the rotor blades up it and it's basically got kind of a shitty jet engine on the end of the rotor blades, like counter, you know. One jet engine? That, like made out of vacuum cleaner parts. Okay. That, you know, like blows it in a circular fashion and thus creating lift. No. No, it's a death trap. Yeah, if, no shit. If, if anybody ever. <laughs> <laughs> You're safer tying a bunch of balloons in your fucking chair. Right. Well, they had ads for ones similar to the one that uh, is used in uh, Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you uh, know, the second one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ben always wanted one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ben Hyman really had a hard on for the gyrocopter. Uh, which Mad Max is it? It's not fucking Thunderdome. It is. Temple of Doom. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the best one. It, it basically is the Temple of Doom mm. of Mad Max's. No, it's called... No, that's Thunderdome, is Temple of Doom. Oh, Temple. yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, they're all good. Furry uh, Road, where they're all furries. That one's great. I like that one. Uh, Road Warrior. Yes, Road Warrior. How, how the fuck did I avoid that? Oh, by the way, your your copy of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the can't get the tracking to work. I tried to play that yesterday on VHS. Oh, shit. Just like, so it's even scarier. It just it makes you ill <laughs> physically to watch it. <laughs> I got a tape up in my apartment. I'm trying to... Uh, Harold and Maude? No. Is it the X-rated version where they have sex? What? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, no, I have two copies of, uh, what the fuck, some movie, and I have one of them in my apartment, and I'm going to tape, um, you know, the, the video from The Ring with yeah, like, the yeah. horse and shit? Are like, you going to put that I'm in the middle of it? I'm just over the whole tape. The whole tape. Because I found uh, somebody on YouTube is like has a YouTube video that's that video because it's the vi- it's only like four minutes long or something. Yeah. But it's like uh, over and over and over again for like oh, 10, yeah. 10 hours. So I'm just gonna like load that whole tape with that shit. Like set it while I sleep or something. You gotta have at least start out like you know PG yeah. parental guidance warning or whatever. Yeah, maybe know. I will. Otherwise, they just think it's broken. You know? <laughs> for what reason? Because asshole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so when somebody takes a video home, like it'll be that instead. You still got the um, the porn minefield out there. Uh, yeah, I don't know which one has the porn in it. I forgot. I completely forgot. I thought it was one of the Christian ones. I don't know. It was at first, but then I realized nobody's going to take that movie, mm. so I put it into something that someone would actually take. Oh, you know what? If we look in the box under the pinball machine, we find the tape without a case, there we go. and then that's how we figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, did Tweaker guy ever come get those symbols? Yep. Okay. 
So now we should be done ever having to see him again, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he knows it. That's fucking excellent. Uh, what else? Oh, Orrin Hatch died yesterday. Good. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Good fucking riddance. <laughs> That's why uh, Utah, all the fake supplement people sprang up there because of Oh, him. yeah, because he protected them, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fucking that's, excellent. That's the last time. <sighs> uh, I don't know. I just got back from two days of trying to hunt turkeys, but it's too damn cold, and we got we experienced every every type of weather from snow to grapple to hail to sprinkles to torrential rain to T-shirt weather. Damn, dude. We got down to, like, 27 degrees at night and, like, sleeping in a fucking teepee wearing, like, every piece of warm clothing I have and... Having to pee like forty times because I drank like a fucking twelve pack of white claw before crawling into bed, which is always a good idea. Oh yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, the turkeys are just beyond the tree line, laughing at you. No, we saw <laughs> we saw turkeys. It's just none of no gobblers. Uh, they're they're not fucking right now because you know the ground's wet and they lay their eggs on the ground. So ah. until they start fucking, then you can't you know you, then you make your seductive lady turkey noises and you <laughs> call the males in. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But what a fuck? Uh, yeah, saw you know a bunch of like teenagers and and mom turkeys, but those are not fair game. And there was still some teenagers like drinking Coors Light, throwing the bottles. No, in they, the fucking have, hole. they have awkward, they have awkward, <laughs> awkward, beards. awkward stubble. And yeah. hey, don't shoot me, man. <laughs> Actually, no. The one damn near walked up to the car. So Alfie's like, "What is that?" It's like, "That's a turkey." Let hey, man, see. you holding? It's like it walks like a male, but it's small. What the fuck? Oh, it's a Jake. God damn it. And then I saw a bunch of elk during snowstorm, and then I cut down an alder tree and started building a bow and arrow. Awesome. So it was a pretty good weekend. Sweet. Then we went to the cafe from Northern Exposure, because I'm going to do some work for them for their uh, t-shirts and whatnot. So. Wait, the, for the cafe from Northern Exposure? Yeah. The one oh, awesome. The Ro- one up in Roslyn, the Ros- yeah, yeah, Roslyn yeah. Cafe with yeah. the, the camel sign where the moose walks past it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Jaylene bought it, so... Oh, yeah. How did I fucking miss that? I don't know. Okay. But they bought it about the same time you and Maddie bought into the bar. So okay. They had about the same experience with, oh, fuck. Yeah. You know, this is a weird time. They to really do dolled this. it up. It's, it looks great in there. Cool. But they just want to refresh some of their uh, merch, and it's going to make me want to rewatch Northern Exposure, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid. With, yep. a, with a banger of a theme God, song. You're fucking weird. You could move to Alaska and everybody's a beat poet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Just just in real, in real life. Or yep. an astronaut. Yeah, or yep. an astronaut. <laughs> yep. What, you didn't like Northern Exposure? No. <laughs> fucking boring. The only one I really like watched was like recently, uh, Mike was telling me that uh, Adam Ant was in an episode, so I, we watched that at the bar. Okay. That episode. I don't know. He, be- he basically plays himself. He, he's not Adam Ant, but he's his name's something else, but he's like a rock star. That's Char- kind of Charlie Wasp. Something, yeah. <laughs> God, why is Wasp in so many shitty movies? Because yeah, they're shitty. <laughs> Shitty. They must have known, like shitty, like shitty is as shitty does. I think they were friends with like Charles Band or something. The guy that owned, uh, that ran full full yeah, entertainment. The guy that invented bands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that the the what the There's a documentary. Is that Wasp the the drunk guy who was in uh, uh, the second uh, uh, music. I'm doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> the second music ever. The drunk guy that and, was uh, in the and, second music. <laughs> and uh, Western Civilization 2, where he's just drunk at his mom's pool. And oh, maybe. Like, hey, his name's uh, Blackie Lawless, and he usually oh, has. He usually has got a giant knife. No, this is the guitarist. Blackie was the, the main guy, but this oh, okay. is just the guitarist. And there's a documentary about him now. He's like living in France and, and still doing Make, stuff. Making fromage. Yep. Still making bad music. <laughs> Good. 
<laughs> I think it's the meanest man alive. I think it's what it's called. I'm oh sure, shit! All right, sure and he's is. an asshole. Sounds about right. So, mm-hmm. That's a very subtle title in that case. That's your wasp report for the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm telling you, Little House on the Prairie, uh, Northern Exposure, and uh, what the hell was the other one that you'd probably find dry and horrible? Um, MacGyver. <laughs> All right, let's move along. <laughs> and it, we, we didn't have MacGyver. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I we, we didn't have MacGyver on my station, so I never got the pleasure. I had Manimal. Mm-hmm. And, and and Highwayman and Knight Rider and oh the wizard with the the little person that makes toys that are actually weaponized. That's a show. It was yeah. It mm-hmm. was like the wizard. He's a toy maker and like I just remember once there was a kid get thrown in a trunk and they get, the bad guys like throw him off a boat and it's sinking and the wizard sends out his little remote control submarine that shoots like torpedo darts that then have balloons that then float the trunk up. To the- <laughs> this show sounds fucking <laughs> rad. Yeah. Yeah. This show sounds fucking rad. It. I didn't last for it's like Manimal where you know should have lasted many seasons longer. Yeah. But since it was absolutely ludicrous, it didn't make it. Wow. He's an exceptional hero. You don't measure a person by their height, it's the size of their heart that really matters. They call him the wizard. He's a toy maker and something more. He's also the inventive genius of our time. Whose technical wizardry proves anything can happen. Share the spirit of adventure. The wizard coming soon to CBS. Wonderful. This is CBS. A Bronson Swagger Company. Anyway, welcome back to How the West Was Fucked. How the West was fucked. Ah! Uh, well, we're going we're gonna to pile on a, a heavy load of Texas for you, which sounds like the, isn't that the motto for Texas Roadhouse chain of restaurants? Yeah. Heavy, it's heavy a, load. It's a heavy load of Texas. No, it's a, <laughs> it's a hot and heavy load. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tiny Tim in the house. So I, I, I'm going to ask you multiple, Tony, what do you knows today? It's like, Tony, what do you know about Davy Crockett? Davy Crockett? Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, my brain wants to say he wasn't real, but I feel like he probably was he real. He was absolutely real. He okay. served in the United States. I, everything Senate. I know about D- Davy Crockett, I learned from that fucking song. Okay. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, yeah. for Green Estate of the Land of the Free. Yeah. Uh, Something, something, something. What's it killed him a bear when he was only three? David, yeah, David Crockett, that one. Tie my picker to my leg. Yeah, I'm just yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, green estate in the land of the free. Raised in the woods, so he knew every tree. Killed him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Fought single-handed through the engine war Till the creeks was whipped and the peace was in store While he was handling this risky chore Made himself a legend forevermore Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier He'd give his word and he'd give his hand That his engine friends could keep their land the rest of his life he took the stand That justice was due every redskin band Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier He went off to Congress and served a spell Fixing up the government and laws as well Took over Washington so we hear tell And patched up the crack in the Liberty Bell Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier When he come home, his 
politicking done, the western march had just begun. So he packed his gear and his trusty gun and lit out grinning to follow the sun. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. His land is biggest and his land is best, from grassy plains to the mountain crest. He's ahead of us all, meeting the test, following his legend into the west. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. King of the wild frontier. Okay. Me, um, your mama, some of the But other than that, you don't know anything about that song, right? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Uh, what do you know about Sam Houston? Sam Houston, he, I know a little bit, he he was what Houston, Texas named after, yeah? Yep. Was he like the first governor or something? Uh, president. No, we, uh, well, oh, right, right, because they were their own fucking re- country. Republic mm-hmm. of Texas. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a president then, there was then a president governor, before then him. senator. Wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because, holy fuck, we're bad at this. Yep. Um... <laughs> Either way, you at least know who that is. Oh, fuck. I know where we're going with this. And what do you know about the Alamo? The Alamo. Motherfucker. All right. I don't know much. I know that it doesn't have a basement. (laughs) Wrong. What? I saw a YouTube video where Pee Wee goes into the basement of the Alamo, and he's sorely disappointed. We're going to see the basement in the Alamo that I've been told didn't exist. Come on. As we're... Coming down this flight of stairs, we're descending beneath the street. You can see the uh, original limestone right here. This was all carved. Oh, so this is brand new. They just built this then, right? No. Well lit. Now we're 16 feet below the street. So there's no way that this could not be construed as a basement. Basement. Hold on one second. Move the bike. Move the bike. I was lied to by Tim Burton? Mm-hmm. You'd be fucking kidding me. Well, and there's all, a lot of other lies that he tells you. Well, if Johnny he Depp. does You go- mean people don't have scissor hands? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's hilarious because the, the guy, the tour guide's giving him nothing to work with. He's like, is my bike behind there? He's like, no, this is where we keep the napkins. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, thanks, Pee Wee. Awesome. Hard-hitting journal- journalism from Paul Rubens. Mm-hmm. Oh, does that say Hunchback? Yes, it does. <laughs> Just some old... Uh, the first stage play in Houston was performed at a rental hall in 1838 by a troupe from New Orleans. The entertainment provided was such a hit within a year, promoters at record permanent theater. It's like, the public are respectfully informed that the scenery, which is... Which materially injured the voyage from the... Oh, which was materially injured the, during the voyage from the United States, having been repaired... Who gives a fuck? Uh, basically, they're saying the backdrop for the play got broken and now it's fixed. That's the headline of your play, Spider Man. <laughs> and, oh, and, yeah. and then just immediately following that, the Hunchback. They couldn't spell Notre Dame, so they just the Hunchback. In fact, it doesn't say who plays. So. Well, it's the 1800s, so I, so I assume they got like a real Hunchback, and <laughs> you know. Cower, recoil in horror. Stone them to death after. <laughs> right. And they and the whole the whole to conclude. Oh, they're going to do the new Texas national anthem, and then the whole to conclude with a popular farce of the dumb bell or I'm perfection. That sounds gripping. 
Ninja Three: The Domination. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, I just caught my eye on my time life full of Xbox while I'm trying to find my place. But we'll let Will kick her off with the comic sans and the lovely NPR voice. So we'll talk about William Barrett Travis first because he's kind of the guy who kicks all this off, more so than all the other guys we just mentioned. He snuck out of Alabama to avoid Deader's prison and abandoned his family like a lot of people did. Alabama just went had, to a, Texas. had a, an open window and he climbed out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a lawyer, but he couldn't find enough work. Uh, he tries his hand at printing a paper and that fails too. So then he flees to Texas. Uh, basically, you just scrawl GTT on your abandoned shack, which stood for gone to Texas. Okay. Is that so, what people did? Yep. They, they put GTT on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just in case you need to, you know, find me for anything. Also, I'll, I'll be in Texas, Texas. You know, the <laughs> tiny localized region known as Texas. <laughs> so he goes to San Felipe. That's a town in Stephen F. Austin's colony, which was founded in 1825. Um, that's the earliest and biggest, uh, whitey colony in Texas, uh, because that's in Mexico at the time, if you remember, right? Uh, but since, uh, San Felipe had, uh, too many lawyers, he went to Anahuac on Galveston Bay, and that was the customs port of entry into Texas. Uh, spring 1832, Colonel John Davis Bradburn was set, sent there by the Mexican government to start collecting on customs, which they weren't doing. Um, basically, and to stop smuggling the goods and, and slaves into there, and illegal immigrants, which were white people. Build that wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bradburn served in the same militia as land speculator James Bowie in the War of 1812. Yay, Jim I'm, Bowie. I just right. happened to be open to the Jim Bowie page in my time life thing. Uh, I just want to read it. It's Bowie, but then we say Bowie knife. Yeah. But it makes it even more complicated. I, I, I just like the opening salvo of, of their little description of Bowie and the Time Life thing is, even as a, as a youth, Jim Bowie was the sort to inspire awe. Born to a rugged frontier family in 1796, he grew up in the Louisiana bayous. And by the time he was 18, raw boned, big, and rawhide tough, he was already riding alligators and stalking deer with a lasso. <laughs> He's Mountain Jack Pike. Over the last two decades, or the next two decades, Bowie made a fortune in slave smuggling and land speculation, courted society ladies, and fought Indians with equal flourish before he went to a hero's death in defense of the Alamo. Spoiler alerts. Oh. But it was a knife fighter that Bowie became, but it was a, as a knife fighter that Bowie became a legend in his time. And of course, we, I think we've talked about the Bowie knife before. Uh, yeah, we have. Did you know that um, uh, David Bowie... Uh, his real name is uh, David Jones. Yeah, and he like took the Bowie nomaker from from yeah, Jim Bowie because there's already fifty David Joneses. Yeah. David Jones's locker. David Jones's monkeys. Yep. David Jones's. David Jones's monkeys. <laughs> David yeah. Jones was the singer for the monkeys. Yes. yes. David Jones's monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining. Like, no, I'm talking about the traveling children's <laughs> act. <Exactly. laughs> it's David Jones's monkeys. <laughs> anyway, Brad Burns working for the Mexican government. But the guys in Anahuac organized a militia because they didn't want to pay your taxes or customs or anything. Uh, things were getting heated. Uh, they elected as their captain, attorney Patrick Jack, who shared an office with William Travis. Good old Patty Jack. Uh, Never trust a man with two first names. Uh, he was arrested but was soon let go. Um, meanwhile, the owner of two runaway slaves hired Travis to get them back. Uh, Bradburn takes in the slaves and gave, gave them sanctuary. Uh, but puts them to work building barracks. Finally, so, sanctuary. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so Travis tries to get them back. 
Because a mysterious cloaked figure delivered a letter to a Mexican soldier saying that the militia was marching to the barracks to take back the two slaves. Uh, Bradburn figured it was a hoax that Travis was behind it. Uh, He took Travis in for questioning. Then Jack, his friend, barged into Bradburn's office to ask why Travis was arrested. So he was arrested too. Uh, You asked too many questions. You're under arrest. (laughs) No charges were filed, but the two were put in prison. This kind of pisses off the rest of the white people in town there. About 160 people from Austin Colony. Uh, They were led by Frank Johnson and three-legged Robert Williamson. (laughs) Whoa. Is that a big dick joke? (laughs) Nope. No? Well, I think he had a a bum leg, so he just kind of had it propped up on a stick. So he didn't have it quite cut off. like like old four eyes. Mm -hmm. Ah. That's not as fun. So June 10th, they approached the garrison, and Bradburn, Bradburn ordered the uh, two prisoners, uh, Travis and, and Jack there, staked to the ground, and they'd be shot if the settlers attacked. So they're straight up like uh, like Gulliver, Gulliver's Travels? They're like yeah. tied to the fucking pavement? So uh, Travis is staked to the ground. He shouts, uh, go ahead and tack. I don't care if I get shot. Nope. I'll, I'll die like a man. He's a smart guy. That seems to be a, a fucking ongoing theme with Travis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bullsty side stood down, though. Uh, Bradburn's superiors came down from Nacogdoches and negotiated a truce. Uh, Bradburn left for New Orleans, fearing that he might get killed by the people since he's unpopular now. Uh, and Travis and Jack were released July 2nd. They spent seven weeks as prisoners. And now they become heroes of emerging Texian cause. Mm. So they want their own own place in Texas there. So Travis moves back to San Felipe, hoping uh, his newfound fame would pay uh, get him more work. It did. Uh, he paid off his debts in Alabama. So that's nice of him. Hey. So June 1833, uh, Austin goes to Mexico to deliver the colonists' request for statehood. Uh, he was arrested for treason, and he wouldn't be back for two years. Uh, since 1832, customs collection houses in Anahuac had been neglected. 1835, the cash-strapped Mexican government sent another agent to Anahuac to collect and a company of troops to help him collect the money. The settlers thought the duties were unfairly fairly levied. It's like, why are you, well, that's basically the American Revolution, too, is just... I don't want to pay taxes. Yep. Yep. And it was just the, uh, most of the founding fathers were tea importers and it was hitting them. So that's why they threw all the tea in So, the, so these guys threw like a, like a boatload of fucking Shinerbach into the Me- mm-hmm. Gulf of Mexico. And- uh, a friend of Travis's, Andrew Briscoe, was arrested for uh, smuggling. Uh, or he just embarrassed the new custom officer, which you can just get arrested for too. God, right. Briscoe County Jr. is such a fucking cool show. And it goes to show how dumb I am. If it was just a Western, I probably would not like it. But it's A, it's got Bruce Campbell, and B, it's like sci-fi as fuck. I've never watched it. It's awesome. We also didn't have that. It's fucking awesome. You, I had Northern Exposure. <laughs> That's all we had. Oh, yes, Canada. <laughs> just imagine, Socrates, what this city is going to be like. With an entire system of cables hauling trolleys up and down these streets. With all the attendant risks of negligence and liability... It's a lawyer's nightmare. Well, you better get used to it, because it won't be long before there's motorized trolleys that don't even need tracks. You know, it's admirable that you have this ability to constantly think about the future. 
See, I myself find that I am always bogged down in the present. Mm. So uh, a plot was hatched to free Briscoe from jail, and Travis was elected to lead the party. Uh, their password slogan uh, was victory or death, and you'd keep using that for the rest of the revolution there. So they got a sloop and mounted a six-pound cannon and sailed it into Gal- Galveston Bay. Six-pound cannon? It will take it over to Galveston with one cannon. <laughs> one little cannon. <laughs> and a sloop. A six-pounder is at least medium-sized. Yeah. June 27th, they announced their presence in Anahawk by shooting it off. Of course. Well, they do that. <laughs> Travis is pretty good at using cannons for communication. Mm-hmm. So like, Surprise! Like, like how babies like cry when they need stuff. <laughs> like uh, <laughs> Travis tends to, tends to use a cannon. Boom! <laughs> what are you trying to say to me? <laughs> So they row ashore, demand surrender. Uh, Travis met with the customs officer. From a fucking sloop. Mm-hmm. There's like 18 guys on there at most. So he arrests uh, the Mexican army of 45 men, and but he lets them go as long as they promise not to return to Texas, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they're fine with. A few days later, they go back to San Felipe, but uh, Travis was yelled at for people in town there who wanted peace and didn't want to get shit on by the Mexican government. Right. Because Sandy Annie just put down a revolution in Zacatecas, wherever that is. Probably in Mexico. No, it's in your mind. I think uh, you just made it up. Oh, probably, because I mispronounced like, everything. Like Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some Texians pledged their allegiance to Mexico in letters and mentioned Travis by name. It's like, blame this guy. He's <laughs> the one causing all the trouble. Uh, Travis was mad and dismayed. Uh, Mexican authorities ordered his arrest along with Three-Legged Willie and Frank Johnson there. And Saniani issued the orders himself. Uh, local authorities, though, refused to arrest Travis because he was kind of one of their own. Uh, Mexican troops tried to confiscate a single unmounted cannon tube. Basically, that was the only thing defending San Felipe there. Uh, Texians resisted and shots were fired starting off the war. Yay! Yay! Uh, early in 1836, orders came for Travis to reinforce a bear, which is B-E-X-A-R, which I'll well, probably say Bayar. X-R. It's Behar. Yeah. Wait, but, what? So well, they pronounce it bear for some reason. Uh, you pronounce it fucking bear. <laughs> Basically, that's San Antonio. Yeah, San Antonio de Behar. Okay. Travis is elected lieutenant colonel. And he was given a cavalry command, or what, passport, which well, is probably three horses. Well, he was elected because he fucking, like, asked for it. He kind of suggested heavily that he should get that. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, you're elected. <laughs> uh, by 1835, Texas had a population of 35,000. Uh, most of them were Americans. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at um, in my time life. Um, it's basically, uh, this is an ad that ran in New Orleans trying to get more, you know, Americans to move to Texas and become Texians. It's like, Texas forever. The usurper of the South has failed his efforts to enslave the free men of Texas, which most of which were slaveholders. Uh, <laughs> the wives and daughters of Texas will be saved from the brutality of Mexican soldiers. Now is the time to emigrate to the Garden of America. Yeah. The free passage and all found is offered at New Orleans to all applicants. Every settler re- re- receives a location of, allocation of 800 acres of land. So basically, oh. it's like, just come to this dock in New Orleans, we'll give you a free ride, and give you 800, 800 acres of land, which we don't have any fucking claim to. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. When was this? Uh, it's around, I think this was out about uh, 1834 to 36, somewhere oh, okay. in between. It's right okay. before the Alamo. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, like you said, most of the guys were from the southern states. Uh, Mexico outlawed slavery, but had the peonage system, which was almost as bad. So you get peons? Mm-hmm. Basically, you just sign a contract for 99 years of indentured servitude. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Like that's, I said, that's where we get the term peon. That's mm-hmm. why, like, in uh, the original, like, Warcraft games, your, your orc yeah. uh, worker guys, they're called peons, and that's because it's... Uh, it's it, do- it doesn't mean, like, I'm going to, like, urinate on you. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> you wish. Donald Trump. That's <laughs> but uh, slaves would make up uh, about tenth of the population of Texas there. But uh, usually the Mexican government left the Texans alone to do their own stuff because they got other things going on. Yeah, like fucking violently usurping, you know, aren't they fighting minor civil war type mm-hmm. excursions the whole time? Yep. Uh, 1832, Sandy Annie was swept into power, but he let his VP run the country at first. Yep. Because he was all about, like, like, you know, demo- not really democracy, but at least, uh, what do you call it? like, you know, representative, you know, oh, not not having one strong man, like not dictatorship. Was, right, right. Mm-hmm. 1834, his VP wasn't cutting, cutting it, so he took the country over and veered it towards uh, another regime change. Um, Sandiani took over as dictator. Yep. He decided that people weren't ready for democracy. He said, uh, 100 years will come to my people and they will not be fit for liberty. So you get what happened there, right? It's like, no, mm-hmm. no, we need to have like, and as soon as he's in power, he's like, oh, that, that shit sucks. No, you need me to run this shit. Right. And only me. Yep. Forever. <laughs> so he called himself the Napoleon of the West. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> what Napoleon was about, what, 12 years before this? Something like that? Oh, yeah. Uh, more or like, like, water, water, more like 30 was well, it? when he sold the... Uh, well, the, when was Waterloo? Waterloo is probably, what, maybe 10? I'll uh, look it up. I don't know. He was still around, though. Stick around for more How the West Was Fucked. No, from Bronson Swagger. Have you recently lost a loved one? Bronson Swagger understands. That's why we invented the Funeral Kazoo. The loss of the one one doesn't have to suck anymore with the Funeral Kazoo. Brighten up any wake of memorial with the dulcet tones of America's favorite wax paper based instrument. Yes, it's the Funeral Kazoo. Now available in fun colors. And black. Order yours today from Sequoia and Swagger. Brats and Swagger Funeral Kazoos. We put the fun in funerals. Okay, yeah, that was 1815, so it was oh. like 30 years, 30-some years. So. Oh, okay. Still not th- not that far in the past, future, future, present, past. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh, rewind a little bit, go to back to September 19th, 1827. Two groups of guys made their way to a sandbar in the Mississippi oh, gosh. by Natchez. Oh, I know what's coming here. Mm-hmm. What's a sandbar? The place where they let 16-year-old kids drink. <laughs> oh, cool. oh, cool, man. So that was a duel between Samuel Wells and Dr. Thomas Maddox. Uh, Wells brought two cousins and two friends, and one of them was 30-year-old Jim Bowie. Yep. Whoa. Brought a cousin to a, to a sister fight? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 10 men were with Dr. Maddox. Uh, one of them was Major Norris Wright, who is a former sheriff who killed more than one person in a duel. 
Well, you got to remember at this time, a lot of times, you know, duels you could do with a pistol, but they were always the single shot pistols. Right. So the days of like the whole fucking six shooter, like, we're not there yet. So you, everybody carried fucking knives because you had one fucking shot. Yeah. And then you're going to need to like rush your enemy and either try to stab out their eyes or their dick or their. Oh, I always assumed they'd like go walk paces, turn around and that's, fire. And then like. That's a duel, but I'm talking about actual combat shit. Oh, okay. Like, and also if your duel goes sideways, you got to remember these guys were perpetually fucking drunk and they were all pissed off constantly. Yeah. So the, the, the gentlemanly, you know, 12 paces turn, that yeah. didn't necessarily hold. Oh, okay. It was a lot more gangs in New Yorky than. Oh yeah, where uh, they, they tie your uh, your left hands together. Yeah, and then you each got a knife and you're swiping at each other. Actually, there's a pre- I can't remember who it was, but there's a pretty good like, you know, later 1800s one where they did that over a, a card table like bandana two guys hands together, but they did it with six shooters Ooh. around a round table oh. with like people in the room. Didn't we talk about that? Either we, we did, did or the at some doll, point. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't remember who that was, but yeah, that's right. Because like they're just wildly firing at each yeah, other and just blow, and, like blowing off earlobes and yeah. pinkies and <laughs> nice. Uh, Bowie and Wright ran into each other the year before in a card game, so they got some bad blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bowie, having heard Wright slandering them, confronted them at the at the uh, duel. There, Wright, in response, fired a pistol at Bowie, but it deflected by a pocket knife and only bruised him. Bowie had to be pulled off right before he could be uh, before he strangled him. Uh, after that, see, see what I'm talking about? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. After that altercation, Bowie uh, decided to carry a large hunting knife for protection. Yeah. Well, he started out with a butcher knife because they didn't. Uh, well, they didn't have Bowie knives yet. Yeah. A, lar- a large hunting his, knife wasn't that large. Or his brother Resin right. claims to have invented the the Bowie. Knife. But I'm saying it's more a derivative of a What's butcher. What's his brother's knife. name? Resin. R E Z I N. Oh, their whole family has stupid like fucking names. Like, well, there's Resin. He's, their he fa- was born on 420. Their and his dad named him after his fucking their, their father was Reason. <laughs> oh, and then yeah. their brother's Resin. And the, their, yeah, the Bowies all have dumb fucking names. But um, uh, Jim got away clean. Yeah. He's like the only one that got a normal ass name. Right. So Wills and Maddox square off, because this is their duel, at eight paces and shot at each other twice and both missed. They must have had two pistols. But those are the rules, and honor was fulfilled, and both sides were satisfied, and even sat down for a glass of wine. And then... <laughs> uh, but the rest of the guys weren't satisfied, though. Yeah. So like, everybody else standing well, around like, when what? Well, when you have a duel, you have your seconds. Yeah. Like, in cases like... And the seconds are all like, wait... We were here to see some fucking blood. You fucking guys <laughs> sitting here drinking wine together, and they're like all talking shit the whole time. It's like my guy's gonna kill your guy. And like no, 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 no. oh, so it's like, okay, it's like and yeah. like I said, they're all drunk as fuck. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, they're on a fucking sandbar. Like <laughs> so, Samuel Good Cooney God. or Cunny, Cunty called out uh, Colonel Robert Crane and said, "We might as well settle our troubles now." Uh, Cooney began to draw his pistol. Uh, Cooney's brother stepped in to help stop the fight. And Wells grabbed him. Uh, Crane steps back. But when Jim Bowie moved towards him, Crane shot and it missed. Um, Bowie fired back and Cooney got free and went towards Crane, who fired with another pistol, hit him in the leg, and blood was pumping out. Jesus. And he would die within minutes. Ooh. Uh, So Bowie uh, draws his knife and charged Crane, who threw his spent pistol at him. And hits him in the head and knocks him down. Oh my yeah. god, they actually knocked him down. Yeah, well, they're heavy as yeah, fuck. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> throws a gun. So uh, Bowie was surrounded by others with guns. Uh, he hid, hides behind a tree, and somebody hands his throws him a gun. Uh, Bowie and Wright fired at each other and both missed. Uh, Wright fired with another pistol and hit Bowie in the lung. 
Uh, Bowie stumbles towards right, and he was shot again in the leg and fell. Yep. Ooh, shit. Right and his crew kind of rush on him and fall on him with a sword cane. Yep, which they stab him through the fucking lung with. Yep. Uh, he kind of fends off some of the blows with his knife. Well, and he kind of, like, I, I believe it's during this point where they're kind of, like, curb stomping him is where he slashes the one guy's guts out. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> one of the guys stabs uh, Jim in the breastbone and the, bent the blade of his knife. Oh. Shitty knife. Fucking. Yeah. So uh, Bowie somehow had the strength to sit up and grab uh, one of the guy's cravat. Like his, yeah. basically his lacy frilly necktie. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he kind of jumps back and pulls Bowie up to his feet. Then Bowie puts all his remaining strength into plunging the knife deep into his chest. That's the right. And right collapsed on Bowie dying. Um, the guy with the sword cane stabbed at Bowie again, but Thomas Wells shot him in the arm. And that allowed Bowie to reach up and slice him in the guts. Jesus yeah. Christ. Well, this party went about as poorly as it could have gone. <laughs> Holy fuck. So uh, Jim Bowie has several deep stab wounds, two lead balls in him, and uh, and a bruise from the pistol that was yeah. hit him in the head. <laughs> he was not expected to recover. Uh, the fight was covered in papers across the country, uh, making Bowie one of the most feared fighters in the country, even though he was mostly a pincushion. But yeah, but well, he, well, he's he still takes a lick and he keeps on his own. Shit, man. He's uh, he's uh, Boris the Bullet Dodger from uh, yeah, from Smash. <laughs> what do they call him, a Bullet Dodger? <laughs> Because he dodges you. bullets. Just keep, Tony just keeps on shooting him with the fucking yeah. 50 cal. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Bam, bam. Fuck, bam. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Bowie was born in 1796 in Kentucky. Scottish descent is and Welsh. Uh, his mom was Welsh, uh, named Elvira. Wanna talk tough movies? Here's a superhero with the biggest pair of all. You looking for me? There she was, just walking down the street singing. This Elvira is a slimy, slithering succubus, a concubine, a streetwalker, a trap. Yes, she's got it all. She's everything you've ever wanted in a movie. A woman and a casserole. She was walking next to me. You'll see lots of weird romance. What's that perfume you're wearing? Super unleaded. Don't smoke. Loads of drooling madness. Ew, I hope you change the sheets. Hey, Elvira, we got us a couple more volunteers. Great, just grab a tool and start banging. A whole gang of awesome monsters. I'm sad. Oh, you know it. And a few sleazy experiments. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. She's mad. And there's nothing wrong with G-rated movies as long as there's lots of sex and violence. The charge is witchcraft. We want to have one of these every year. See Elvira. As Elvira, Tell him I was more than just a great set of... It's the greatest double feature of all time. Uh, Their parents met during the Revolutionary War. Uh, They moved to Louisiana, 
So that's where the stories of him riding alligators come from. Mm-hmm. If you want to show some of those pictures to Tony. No, that's not Bowie. That's all Crockett. Oh, that's all Crockett. We're getting to the Crockett. Oh, that's even more bullshit. Oh, it's highly, I mean, it's some, yeah. <laughs> so he kind of speculates in land and helped the family's timber business. And in 1819, he switched to a more profitable operation, which was slave trading. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. So nine years earlier, the import of slaves from Africa was banned. So basically, you just had to gotta, had to do with what you had. Got to buy American. Mm-hmm. Fucking assholes. Jesus Christ. So Jim and his brother Resin uh, worked with Gene Lafitte, the pirate. Pirate. Oh, yeah. We talked about Gene. Mm-hmm. So they would smuggle in slaves, and they would turn them in as found slaves, quote unquote. Actually, wasn't Gene Lafitte the one that supposedly Hugh Glass was captive of, or was that? Um, uh, it was like or, one, just a captain of his. Or, uh, you know, like so that was his, uh, like one of his, his number one guys. Yeah, which is um, Lyonnaise. Sounds sounds about Lyonnaise, which sounds like it's like mayonnaise made out of lions. I was going to say more like mayonnaise from your loins, which has another 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 term. So basically, they would turn in these found slaves, which they would get for free. Oh, boy. And they would bid on the same slaves uh, at auction, outbidding everybody, because they would get half the proceeds for being the ones who captured them, quote unquote. Basically, they got a 50% discount on slaves. Didn't even need a Safeway card. so. (laughs) So they did that for a few years, but uh, they were afraid that somebody would catch on, so they went into land speculation. Uh, so basically, it would just buy land on credit and resell it at a higher price. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and pay off the original note, kind of a Ponzi scheme. Uh, Arkansas and Louisiana were rife with it. Basically, it was a wide open market for forgery and fraud. Jim engineered more than 100 forged land claims and titles comprising 80,000 acres in Arkansas. Basically, he'd own half the state. Jesus. <laughs> it's like the Wild West of land speculation. Mm-hmm. Literally, except for it's in the east. <laughs> well, central east or east-west. Yeah, it's in the east-west. Uh, but the U.S. Attorney General finally caught on and d- dismissed most of the land claims. Hey, man. Hey, these are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> they threatened legal action, but nothing ever came of it. This shit is written yeah, it sounds in, about like America. The shit mm-hmm. is written in crayon. <laughs> Even though it's widespread knowledge these guys were scam artists, it didn't prevent Resin from being elected to the state legislator three times. Mm-hmm. But Jim kind of wore out his welcome, so he headed for Texas, like all criminals do. Well, yeah. Well, the only reason Jim probably got away with shit, because he was fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything about the, the second fight that, like, uh, when oh, he actually, no. used, Go ahead. actually used the Bowie knife for the first time? Oh. All right. From uh, from the Time Life uh, Old West series, The Texans. The second battle in which Bowie f- first tested the weapon that bore his name, which took place in Texas in 1830... Bowie was ambushed by three knife-wielding assassins hired by a saloon keeper he had once wounded in a fight. The first antagonist to reach Bowie was nearly beheaded by one stroke of Bowie's heavy blade. Damn. The next inflicted a slight wound on Bowie's leg before Bowie ripped open his belly. The third tried to flee, but Bowie, according to one of the over, over enthu- one over-enthusiastic account, split his skull to the shoulders with a single blow. Fuck! <laughs> So you slice him in half from the top down? Uh, Conan the Librarian. <laughs> yeah, dude, oh, my God. Don't what? you know the Dewey Decimal System? And the, and the fucking guy was running away, yeah. too. Like, where are you going, fuckface? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so basically, shit. Jim Bowie was a grifter and you know, shit, but are you going to call him on it? I'm not 
gonna. No. <laughs> He's like straight up like that crocodile Dundee shit. Like, yeah. It's not a knife. You know? Fuck. So he makes his first trip to Texas in 1828. He meets the 16-year-old daughter of the vice governor of Texas named Ursula. Mm. We got an Elvira and an Ursula in this shit? Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Elversula. Elversula. Uh, he finally moves there for good in 1831. You mean for bad? Uh, yes, for, for, the, for the worse. <laughs> so he becomes a Mexican citizen and married Ursula, kind of becomes part of the one, more of the powerful families in Mexico. Learns, learns Spanish. Yep. And then his wife uh, takes Ariel's voice in trade for some legs yes. and sends her to the human realm, oh. to oh. dry land. What's it What's it called? Or what's a fire and what's, uh, what's it called? Burn. <laughs> I'm trying to remember this <laughs> song. Look at this place, <laughs> isn't it neat? <laughs> Don't you think my collection's complete? I have a four-year-old daughter who watches lots of... What's that word? Movies. I just remember when she combs her hair with a fork. Dinglehopper. Yes, the dinglehopper. Are we talking about Ninja 3, the domination? Yes. (laughs) Oh, now you got to play the obligatory uh, Rat City Under the Sea. Yeah, I'll throw... uh, My old band used to cover Under the Sea, and I played saxophone terribly on it. Uh, I will put it in here. Under the Sea! Under the Sea! Ursula died of cholera two years later, Damn it, of course. Oh, fuck it all the hell. Along with many of her family. Uh, Sandy Annie had uh, Bowie's land claims annulled in late May 1835. And he was arrested and taken to Matamoros. But, of course, he escaped with his friend Blas Displayer. What? Black Dahlia? <laughs> or is it <laughs> quite. A, another guy from Guar or something? Or like... Try it one more time. Uh, Blas D-S-P... A L L I E R must be. Is it French? Blaze or Blaze? I don't know. We can call him Blaze. That sounds better. I was going to say Blaze. Blaze dysphoria still sounds like either like a guy from the Dwarves or from Gore. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's the one. It's the one member they share between the right. two guys. Basically, since uh, Bowie's being uh, shit on by the Mexican authorities, that puts him on the side of the rebellion there. And Nacogdoches, uh, he was elected colonel of the militia. Uh, late summer, Bowie had an out, uh, heard of an outbreak of hostilities in Gonzales, so he and his guys uh, rode west to join in. Yay. Hey, I like hostilities. <laughs> Who's down for some hostilities? <laughs> yeah. Raise your hand. <laughs> that guy didn't raise his hand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. So fall of 1835, Mexican soldiers quartered at a store and smacked the colonist over the head with a musket. Pissed off the white, be- white people there. Uh, he was actually the second lieutenant of the town militia. Uh, plus, news of Sanyani's uh, put down of the rebellion of Zacatecas uh, put the citizens on edge there, so everybody's spoiling for a fight. Uh, late September, a Mexican corporal and five soldiers rode into town and asked for the town's cannon again, which is always. All right, can we can we have your cannon? <laughs> like you're borrowing a cup <laughs> of sugar. Do you have a cup of sugar? Oh, and a cannon. <laughs> so it was an old piece of crap, though that probably didn't work, but. And the citizens knew that the soldiers didn't. Well, the thing about cannons, like they, it's not like they don't work. They either work or they fail catastrophically. It's not like 
Right. Know, basically, the only thing that's going to keep it from going boom is whether or not your fuse and your powder are okay. Well, I guess you're supposed to say bangs. Boom implies it explodes. But like, if it's broken, that means it's It'll either go boom instead of bang. It's going to either yeah. fucking explode or come flying off the gun carriage like a missile. You know, equal and opposite reactions or you know things like that. So yeah. So what happens if you have a big crack in it and it just you doesn't it, contain the blast? You, you have a bomb. Bomb. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> so the citizens take the soldiers prisoner and they parole him back to Behar there. But they knew more soldiers would show up soon. So the Mexican army sent 100 dragoons to go back and get the worn-out cannon again. Oh, boy, they really want that shitty cannon. Mm-hmm. To buy some time, the citizens of Gonzales told the soldiers that the uh, the mayor wasn't home. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the mayor has the keys to the cannon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, he's gone. Over to here. So the militia gets reinforcements from Bastrop and San Felipe there. And the next day, they had 168 men in the militia. At four in the, the next morning, the militia attacked, and the Mexican army was given orders to retreat if they were outnumbered, so they retreat. It would be funnier if they had shot the cannon at them. <laughs> you, you want, the, probably you want the fucking cannon? Why well, not? <laughs> so you get it, you, this is what you do. You like take a, a bunch of sledgehammers to the cannon to get it cra- nice and cracked, yeah. and then you give it to the enemy. Right. So they try to light it off and blow themselves up. Well, with a cracked one, you could probably get away with shooting like something like grape shot, where it's not in there all tight. Yeah. You know, but if you got a fucking ball in there, it's going to create enough pressure. But but the thing with grape shot is, it, you know, it's a big shotgun, so you can yeah. you can still fuck some shit up with it. Oh yeah. Old. Okay. Well, actually, we're going to hear more about that later. Okay. So over the next week, more men show up for the militia. So they got about three hundred guys. They agreed to go to Behar to finish the job of uh, kicking the uh, Mexican army out. Uh, they had General Martin Perfecto de Cause. Or I'll just call him the Cause. Yep. Uh, Isn't that why we're doing it? Yep. <laughs> for the Cause. Oh, yeah. The Cause. We're just doing it for the Cause. He had about seven hundred guys there. Uh, they want to get him before uh, Cause gets more reinforcements. So they called themselves the Army of the People. The Texians now did. Everybody does that. Mm-hmm. Every single motherfucking army. Except this army wasn't, it was It was the army of the peephole, right? Yep. Yeah. From Porky's. They're, yeah. yeah. They're they're defending the, uh, the, the, the hole in the ladies' room. Glory hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they want uh, Stephen Austin to lead them, but uh, he was sick and had very little military experience. Mm, sounds great. <laughs> lead us. Yeah. I'm sick. Also, I've never killed anyone before. Yeah. <laughs> And most of these militia guys didn't have guns, or at least half of them probably probably didn't. Just Bowie knives. But they were quote uh, held together by buckskin string, buckskin string and spit. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. What could go wrong? Gross. They're just like <laughs> greasy, like covered in spit. Mm. Mm. So they're marching to Behar, the army of the people. And they see Haley's comet there. Ooh! Whoa! No shit! Did they freak out and think they're all going to die, or did they think it was a good omen? Or some of them did, and some of them. <laughs> Didn't <laughs> wait. Was that the one? Oh God! I'm trying to think in the the adventures of uh, Mark Twain. He's like talking about Haley's comet a lot because I think he was born like when it, the year it came. Probably. Well, this would be about when Mark Twain was born, wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Eighteen thirty. Give or take. Eighteen thirty-five. There's also that. 
I forget which mountain man story it was when they're, the Blackfeet were going to attack them and then they saw the comet and they were like, well, that's bad omen. Let's just yeah. head out. Space shit is happening. Holy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, he was born uh, November 30th, 1835. That, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Wow, we did a science yeah, history. Yeah, uh, October 10th, they received news that Goliad and its 54 Mexican troops were captured by Texians. Aha! And they renamed it... Oh, what did they Fort Defiance. Oh, that's right. Yep. Uh, that might have been later on. But it was, know, but... Yeah. They knew now that the only troops in Texas were waiting for them in Behar there. Austin gave Bowie command of a large company. Travis was there, too. Uh, another guy was Juan Seguin. Yep. Whose dad, Rasmo, was a good friend of uh, Austin's there. Once again, it is I, Juan Seguin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he brought 37 mounted Tejanos. Uh, a total of 135 would join up, providing invaluable service to the Army of the People. Yeah, Juan Seguin is like, was born in San Antonio, right? Uh, I believe. Yeah. I have a thing with him. Uh, but yeah, he's instrumental this whole sh- shit. And then, of course... Once Texas becomes Texas, he gets fucked over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Keep going. Can't you just Google the page you're looking for in that book? No, I like I like to leaf through it. <laughs> it's the tactile sensation. Mm-hmm. So the Alamo is originally named San Antonio de Valero, but was called the Alamo after one Mexican army station there was from Alamo de Paris. It was built 100 years before. And it was turned over from the church in 1793, so basically this is just a church and not a fort. But they make it a fort. Because nothing makes a good... Well, actually, some churches might make good forts. But, they make an effort to make it a fort. Oh, uh, you know, the thing with churches, they're not often designed with, like, you know, cannon parapets or, like, you know, <laughs> gun ports. Or, right, right. Power, it's just the power of prayer and mind bullets. That's right. <laughs> So, October 27th, Austin had Travis raise a company of cavalry, about 50 guys or so. That's as much cavalry as they get. Next morning, they ride out and cross the San Antonio River. They heard gunfire up ahead. Uh, the day before, Austin had sent Jim Bowie with once again guiding uh, to try to find a camping spot there. Right. So, that morning in a dense fog, uh, a Mexican cavalry scout shot at Bowie. Then fire erupted from both sides in the in the fog. Uh, General Cause sent out five or four hundred men and surrounded the Texians with their back to the river. Um, so they're kind of trapped there. But the uh, Mexicans didn't attack the flanks, but made a direct assault. Uh, Cause blasted the trees above the Texians' heads, and it rained down pecans on them. Ooh, oh, not pecans. <laughs> like, I'm, hung- I'm hungry. Well, I got your- a nut allergy. You fucking oh. dickhead. Why don't you fire some? Carmel over here, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, Texians kind of kept the Mexican army away with their long-range Kentucky rifles. Uh, basically, the uh, Mexican army just has... Uh, muskets. Muskets, brown besses that are... I think we have something on Well, them, brown besses are, A, you know, by that time pretty clapped out. They're probably, like, surplus. And uh, since they're not rifled, they're just shooting a round ball. Yeah. So they're not that accurate. Just Whereas Kentucky rifles are rifled and have, like, an 8 million mile-long barrel, and, you know, you can actually hit some shit. Yeah. So they tried three charges, but on the third charge, the Texians char- uh, broke broke the line and captured a cannon, turned it around on the Mexican soldiers, uh-huh. who turned around and ran. Oh, shit. Uh, it was a small but uh, significant victory, and it raised the spirits of the Texians. So, yep. yeah, they're on the winning side of And things. it won once again, uh, I think that's when he got his captaincy, didn't he? 
Uh, sure. Yeah, Go he ahead. got promoted to captain. Of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the Texians had laid siege to Bayar there. And San Felipe, they met and elected Sam Houston governor. Uh, they didn't quite vote for independence yet, though. Just a separate state they wanted. S- separate but equal? Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Houston was a war hero of 1812. Oh, God. And a protege of Andrew Jackson back a, in the day. And a, and a drunk motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, Houston has re- uh, he was governor of Tennessee, but resigned after a disastrous six-week marriage. His <laughs> wife loved another guy, and he was pressed into marriage by the family. So Houston goes to live with his Cherokee friends after that. Right, because he had, uh, as a kid, basically, I think he just ran away because his dad was beating him or something, or just mm-hmm. didn't like to work or didn't like to go to school or something. But he went and found, like, a Cherokee encampment and just fucking went and lived with them. And he would sit and read the Iliad and then otherwise just do Indian stuff. Oh. And, like, you know, he did that for, what, like, almost three years? Something like and that. And then his brothers found him. And then eventually he went home for a little while. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So uh, Sam Houston was a giant. He was six foot two. Uh, and uh, a his- brawling bear of a man. Yep. And he liked to drink. So the Cherokee called him Big Drunk. <laughs> in uh, D.C., he was head of a Cherokee delegation, and he came to congressmen who insulted him on the House floor. Well, because what was he dressed like? Uh, Cherokee Indian. Yes. He was supposed <laughs> to be wearing, he was an Indian agent for the Cherokee, and he was supposed to be wearing his uniform. Right. And he should have dressed like the Cherokee, and he explained, it was like, well, since I'm representing these guys, I thought it would be polite to do that. Yeah. And that did not impress the, the, people. the racist yeah. white guys that are in right because well because the basically is another thing with the Cherokee where we're, hey where's our annuities and he's like cool we'll go see what's happening with your annuities yeah and they basically all told you to go fuck themselves yeah yeah so he canes a congressman but only gets a slight reprimand because his speech was so good yeah <laughs> defending himself basically that puts him in the national spotlight again but in 1832 he moves to Nacogdoches and opened a law practice. Uh, people there thought he might be scouting Texas for President Jackson, who tried to buy Texas several times over the years. Back at Behar there, the army of people sat around and got drunk during the uh, siege. So uh, it was so bad that Austin wrote, uh, quote, for God's sakes, don't send any more spirits. We're drunk enough. <laughs> <laughs> Cut me off. Cut me off. <laughs> then it gets cold and miserable and rainy. Um, oh, the boredom was broken up by the grass fight, though. Yep. Bowie was sent out with some of his best marksmen about a mile out of Bayar there. They ripped all the grass out and started throwing it at each other. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, the somebody comes up with the rumor that the mule team had a bunch of valuables or something. Yeah, it's basically it. a bunch of like nice soldiers silver. out there trying to get collect grass for to feed livestock. Kind okay. of like Woodhawk, only it's grasshawks. Yeah, yeah. And somehow like these guys are just gathering hay. It's like, ooh, they might have riches. Ooh, we better. <laughs> Fuck. So they kill a bunch of people over that, and they go back since the um, the Mexicans got uh, reinforcements there. Uh, by mid-November, though, Austin was relieved in com- of command and sent to D.C. to help get support for Texas there. Uh, Austin was so frail and weak, he had to be helped uh, on his horse. Uh, before he left, he ordered an attack on Behar November 22nd. It was cold and damp, uh, but the uh, Texians didn't feel like attacking, so Austin called it off. It's like it's... 
rained out. I'm just not really feeling it, man. <laughs> also, like, because of what I know about Austin, the city, like, every time you talk about this dude, Austin, I'm just imagining him, like, like neck tattoos, fucking, like, a pompadour. He, like, plays in a psychobilly band or something. Of course. Yeah. It's, like, the coolest guy in the whole army. Edward Burleson uh, takes over uh, in command after that. Uh, he fights in the War of 1812 at age 14, so mm-hmm. he's got track record. Uh, a week later, the Army of the People dwindled down to 700. Uh, money and supplies were scarce. Burleson issued another attack December 1st. His officers reported again the people were not ready to fight or unwilling, so Burleson canceled. Oh, hold on. Let's pause for one second. You were talking about when he beat the congressman? I, I found some uh, more more detail on why he got let off. Oh, okay. Uh, ba ba Basically, one lady, uh, one evening, he, you know, stopped that Congressman Stanbury in Washington and beat him into submission with a hickory cane, and then uh, basically he had to stand trial. The trial lasted a month, but Houston was represented by Francis Scott Key. Oh shit! Ooh. The guy that is known for writing the Star Spangled Banner, which yeah, is actually. Yeah. An old drinking song, but he just changed the lyrics. But yeah. So two days later, he announced the siege would end, and the revolution had to wait till spring. The revolution will not be televised <laughs> till spring. <laughs> but somehow, then after he talks to a Mexican officer, who said that his uh, troops were in poor morale too. <laughs> so the argument for attack was renewed. Mm-hmm. It's like these guys aren't feeling it either. We might as well attack them. Uh, ben Millam was a longtime Texan and impresario. He fought in the War of 1812 and the Mexican Revolution of 1821. He was fed up they weren't going to attack. So he and Frank Johnson goes to Burleson with their plan, and Burleson agrees. So they get 300 guys to volunteer, and Millam was chosen to lead it. Uh, Bowie had left in late November, fed up with Austin's indecisiveness. Yeah. When also, and he was fortifying Goliad at the time. Austin, I think, from what I'm understanding, too, he wasn't really that into having guys like Bowie around and stuff like that. He didn't really want uh, any kind of toughs or mountain men types around for some reason. It's like, I don't know if he wanted to make like a, a nice posh Texas or something. Probably. But he's like, um, he'd refer to people like that as leather stockings. <laughs> he didn't. We got to keep out the leather stockings. Mm. Oh, because that buckskin. Well, because we were just talking. Like, if you're if you owe money or you're or you're a outlaw or whatever, you oh just go to Texas. Yeah, yeah. you could be whoever you want to be. And, and I think he's and like, nah. Aust- well, Austin's like, let's not do that. Oh, uh, they're not sending us the best and brightest, <laughs> the the rapist. <laughs> in some cases, good people. Yeah. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting that kind of fucking energy. Totally. From uh, so Travis had left San Antonio too at the time, but uh, 200 men showed up uh, north of Bay R there. In the morning, at 3 a.m., they fired a shot at the Alamo and the Mexican soldiers inside there, and the Texians stormed the town and fought hand-to-hand with pistols and bowie knives. Yeah. This would last for five grueling days. Jesus. Just imagine the amount of, like, fingers and shit laying around, like... (laughs) So, of course, the uh, Texians have better rifles, but the the Mexican army had the better positions in town there. But the Texians hacked through roofs to get to Mexican soldiers. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Uh, they battered the wall of one building till it fell over on the occupants inside. Jesus. Fuck. Uh, once again, uh, he patrolled the outside of the city to prevent escape or arrival of reinforcements there. Uh, Miram led the final push into town. 
He stepped out of a house and took up his field glasses to get a closer look at uh, Mexican command and was shot by a sniper. No. <laughs> so the Texans bury him and look for a new leader. Uh, <laughs> anyone? Anyone? Got some uh, field glasses, slightly used, only <laughs> dropped once. I'm thinking it's more like the, the monks that uh, find who's going to be the next Dalai Lama or whatever. Oh, yeah. They had to like go to Tibet and, oh, you, sir, help us lead this revolution. So they select Frank Johnson for the time, but basically it's cold and rainy. Um, fourth day was more of the same, D- more door-to-door fighting. Uh, two of the Texian columns had been reduced by half. They were running out of ammo. Frigid rain dampened the powder, and but it did ease the smell of the dead animals, though, oh, good. so that's something. That's silver linings. Uh, the Texians were just yards from the main plaza where Kaz was. By mid-morning, the sound of 400 reinforcements from Mexican soldiers, some with actual experience, (laughs) they show up. Uh, They've been force-marched in the mud for the last 24 hours straight. So they're ready to fight. They're feeling excellent. Just fucking vim and vigor and pneumonia. Uh, A lot of them had lost their shoes in the mud. (laughs) Oh, no. Or didn't have shoes in the first place. Uh, They had marched for 55 days straight. Oh, fuck that, dude. Cause uh, raised the black flag up, meaning no quarter, or was yeah. it no no yeah. no pico de gallo, or no? That's a well, yeah, the no quarter, but like uh, the, it's the song that they do is that uh, shit now. Rise above, we're gonna rise above. No, no, it's not the black flag song. It's the song that translates to uh, slit throat. I think it's Deguero. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's pretty. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds as lovely. They, as Billy Bob Thornton says in the Alamo movie. <laughs> kind of pretty. Well, it's called De Guerrero. Uh Well, this is Santa Ana using it. Uh, the Spanish took it from the Moors. Translates to slit throat. <laughs> uh, most of the Mexican army were new recruits, though. And some were still in prison chains. Oh, good. Yeah, so you always fight best when... So they actually kind of make... The fucking running man. No no shoes, but he's got <laughs> chains around his fucking ankles. <laughs> Just. So they kind of make things worse, and, you know, basically everybody's running out of food there, too, during the siege. Um, Cause fled to the Alamo when all the Texians uh, attacked the main plaza. Uh, the Greys from New Orleans, uh, they took a structure called the Priest's House. Uh, a Mexican army uh, cannon bombarded it, and it fell over. The rest of the Texians assumed that they were all dead. Where's your god now? <laughs> uh, news of, of reinforcements reached Burleson. He summoned Johnson and suggested a withdrawal because they were down to one last powder keg left. Cause asked his officers either to retreat or continue because his horses were so hungry they're eating the cloaks off the, his men. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Oh, no. <laughs> just feel, watching it. Just uh, trying to shoot, and the horse is just <laughs> chewing on his clothes. Uh, so Cause tries to cl- calm down his troops. Uh, most of the better soldiers left. <laughs> and the convicts insulted the officers, too. <laughs> I'm... I'm Assuming the convicts don't give much of a fuck, like no. they got zero motivation or anything to lose. So. Cause was actually trampled by convicts retreating, oh, no. but he finally calms down the army there. But they would hold Whoa, out for a few army. more days. Whoa, Whoa girl, Whoa. calm down. <laughs> 
at 7 a.m. the next morning, though, Captain Sanchez was ordered by cause to throw up the white flag. Um, soon he was surrounded by Texians. The greys in the priest house emerged from the rubble with none dead. Like <laughs> 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 fucking zombies. <laughs> <laughs> I have risen. <laughs> Uh, negotiations last until two the next morning. It was uh, perceived too generous by some Texians, though, because officers would receive parole if they just left town for Mexico there. Uh, but some of the Mexican soldiers would stay at the Alamo. Uh, the Texians uh, crossed the river that day, uh, and cause left for Laredo with a thousand guys. Uh, December 14th, the Mexican uh, army had 150 casualties against five Texian deaths. Um, Damn. But basically, his army leaves behind a small arsenal, about 20 cannon, uh, 1,100 musket cartridges, 300 functional muskets, and blankets, which they needed most of them, more than yeah. Yeah, guns that don't really Considering, work. like, your horses ate all their fucking clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so the Texans move into the Alamo. Um, but most of the guys go home for Christmas to tend to their farms. Well, and that stuff. they're like, well, we done whooped them Mexicans. Don't don't guess we'll be seeing them again. Bye. I suppose we can go home. <laughs> <laughs> this will never happen again. Yep. So uh, a lot of the Texians hear of uh, riches to be had at Matamoros well, on course. the south side of the Rio Grande. There. So Doctor James Grant leads two hundred guys down uh, from San Antonio towards Goliad. Um, and Colonel Johnson rode to San Felipe to get, get go-ahead for the expedition, like they need permission to go steal stuff. Yep. <laughs> of course, like you said, most Texians assumed that the war was over and Mexico would just leave Texas alone. Yep. Others thought that other Mexican states would join them and overthrow San Yanni. Uh-huh. Some didn't, mostly Sam Houston. It's like, oh, you done poked <laughs> the bear now. Yeah. November 24th, Austin reports that 10,000 Mexican soldiers were marching to Texas to put down the insurrection. Nah, fake news. And uh, that Sandy Andy himself was uh, leading it. Nah, Nah. that's bullshit. He would never do that. So in charge of the Alamo now is Lieutenant Colonel James Neal. He had 100 guys there. Uh, The expedition to Matamoros, uh, Matamoros left with most of the horses and supplies, though. Uh, morale was low there. They weren't paid, and they're dressed in rags. And some begin leaving. Just kind of hanging out people. in a shitty fort with. But they begin reinforcing the uh, Alamo. They called it Fortress Alamo, which they really needed to do because, like, what wasn't there like big hole in the wall? Mm-hmm. And they so they built a palisade for that. There was no firing platform, so they built a bunch of those. Braced up all the stone walls with uh, dirt and stuff, so it can you know. You know, you got a vertical wall, and then you basically build like a retaining wall with sloping dirt. Sure, sure. So you can A, stand on top of the dirt and shoot, and B, it just turns your wall from being like three feet thick into like, yeah. you know, at the base, like 12, 14 feet thick. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Plus, you know, if you've been to the Alamo now, the, the walls are only like 10 feet high. It's well, just like somebody's most, backyard. Most of what's left is just the yeah. fucking church anyway. Yeah. So. Yep. Oh, and also after the first siege, the basement was flooded, so they had to get a bunch of shop vacs and right. mm-hmm. pump all the water out. Neil wrote to Houston, desperately asking for reinforcements, which they would do for a long, a long time now. Uh, but basically, the government in Texas kind of ceased to function because they're in deciding. They're arguing bullshit. Mm-hmm. January 19th, a small group of reinforcements arrived. There was 30 of them, led by Jim Bowie. Yeah. Uh, Houston talked most of the men out of going to Matamoros, though. 
basically heard of uh, 600 guys guarding it and decided to stay at Goliad. 65 men followed Grant and Johnson out of Refugio. I'm sure I said that right. (laughs) Towards Matamoros and gathered more horses that they thought they needed. Johnson and 34 men were surprised by an advanced group of Mexican soldiers, though. Like advanced, like they're cybernetic? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Only Johnson and four others escape alive, though. Uh, three days later, the same Mexican soldiers ambushed Grant and killed all but a few. So that trip down to Matamoros uh, didn't really pan out. No. Grant might have escaped, but he went back to help a fallen comrade and, and was killed. So that was the end of the expedition there. Uh, Houston had set Bowie to the Alamo. His plan was to blow up the Alamo and abandon imba- it and take the army to Gonzales. Captain William Patton arrived at the end of January with more reinforcements, a whole 11 guys. Ooh. With Bowie's guys, they had 115 men now, including 34 sick and wounded. <laughs> Bowie saw the repairs and improvements that made by Neil. Uh, plus, they couldn't carry all the cannon uh, to Gonzales, so he thought the Alamo was defendable, so they would stick there. And he thought the uh, citizens of uh, San Antonio would join in, too. And other rumors of Americans coming across the border from Louisiana to help, which they did send the army out eventually, but they just kind of stuck stuck by the border and didn't really do much. Okay. Just in case they came over, they would <laughs> help. Uh, so Sandy Annie's full name was Antonio de Paduda Maria Severino Lopez de Sandy Annie Perez de Lebron. Yeah. Yep. So that whole thing's your name, huh? <laughs> Santa Ana. Uh, <laughs> he was born in Jalapa, uh, February 21st, 1794. Uh, his parents were Soroyelos. Sor- Sor- Let's just stick with he had parents. Yes. <laughs> basically people of Spanish descent. Yeah. Uh, basically middle class kind of people there. At age 16, he joined the Spanish army. Uh, nine weeks later, the Mexican uh, uh, War for Independence began. He was in the cavalry and chased rebels and Indians and made lieutenant. At age 18, he marched into Behar and helped put down the revolution there. Uh, his commander executed many and put their heads in cages and displayed them around town for the rest of the year. So he put their hands in cages? Heads. Heads. Oh. Just, oh, oh, not like chopped them off, put them in a basket, like... Like put them in probably... Put a cage on p- your like head. Probably like bird cages. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like that, uh, like the, one of the ghosts from 13 Ghosts. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he fights uh, against the rebels, but switches sides after uh, Mexico gets his independence. Then he gets the rank of general. Uh, he's also quite the ladies' man. Mm-hmm. Seven children from four women outside his marriage. Right. He and also liked to eat. Also liked to eat opium. Oh, <laughs> I'm not addicted. I just like the taste. And he was hydrophobic, and I don't mean rabid. I mean like he was terrified of water. Oh, okay. Oh, what was the other one that started with hydro? The giant nutsack? Ah, oh, God, I was just listening <laughs> to that episode like, Hydro, this Hydro morning. Salic or some shit? We don't need to, yeah, Hydro, yeah, whatever, your CD-sized nutsack. Hydro, mm-hmm. Hydrophilia. <laughs> so in 1833, he was elected president on a platform to, quote, end all hatreds. Uh-huh. End all hatreds? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. That's a sl- slippery slope right there. Uh, basically, he didn't even attend his own inauguration and just was at his vacation house. So he basically lets his VP, Valentin Gomez Farias, run things for the first couple of years, though. Well, but, and actually, when he got elected, like, the Texans were kind of optimistic because they thought he was going to treat them fairer than, uh, what, like, Bustamante, so. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Farias curtailed the power of the church and military 
and pissed off the upper class there. So Santiani switched sides and got the backing of these groups and took power back in 1834. He canceled Farias's reforms and took over as despot. Oops. A uh, new Congress was convened with basically all his cronies and doing his bidding. So open rebellion occurred in two places, the Zacatecas and Texas. Uh, Santiani crushed the revolt in Zacatecas, and so Texas was next. And Santiani didn't like Americans, and knowing that they wanted Texas. Uh, Santiani was never a brilliant strategist. Strategery! Yep. <laughs> But he did lead from the front like his idol Napoleon, though. Right. Well, because he's the Napoleon of the West. Mm-hmm. Um, some some of the things he likes to, uh, like his kind of like catchphrases. Uh, <laughs> man is nothing. Power everything. Uh, also, were I made God, I should wish to be something more. Fuck. So it gives you something a little bit about Sandy's motivations. Good God, dude. So... Mexico had been a thing for almost, what, 10 years now, but uh, rebel uprisings and political turmoil kind of left it, you know, not so rich. Right. Especially the military. On paper, they had 38,000 men. But as we pointed out, a lot of those were in chains with no shoes. Mm-hmm. 18,000 of them were regular army, but the government would only allow 3,500 men to go to Texas. Uh, Santiani began to assemble the army in November. Uh, like you said, about half the army were new recruits, Indian peasants, prisoners, the poor, basically people who didn't want to fight. And the country was kind of still new for that patriotism, jingoistic yeah, thing. Yeah. To, don't you to want to support thing. your country? We've been a country for like six months, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. We don't even have a flag. Dude. We don't, what is our GDP? You know, you can't tell me any of this shit. Yeah. What's our main export? Yeah. Uh, so Bullets. They began uh, drilling in uh, 1836, January there, uh, learning their weapons. Like drilling, not like, oh, not like, like drilling like, for fucking oil. Like, okay. Left, right, left, right, yeah, shoulder. Right, right. Yeah. <gasps> yeah, Captain Jack or whatever. Yeah. So they had the brown best, the British rifle that they used for almost a century. Yep. That was like straight Revolutionary War era, like redcoats are coming, brown best. Yeah. Uh, it was 75 caliber. Which is massive mm-hmm. but it also couldn't hit the broadside of a barn which is why you had to volley fire it yep so it generated a huge kick and it was only accurate for 70 yards which basically <laughs> russell wilson could throw, throw right past that far um also mexican gunpowder was inferior it had too much sulfur and charcoal Ooh, so it smelled awesome mm-hmm. and and probably made a giant poof of smoke which then you yep. can't see shit Afterwards, but it's got that awesome firecracker smell. Oh yeah, I mean, wolf pussy. (laughs) Told you about that before. Like uh, when the smell cannons make when you fire them off. No, I don't know. For some reason, in the artillery, we call that wolf pussy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So since it was so weak, a double load was used. Yeah, double load. Also, Mexican gunpowder sounds like a stripper name (laughs) or uh, drug. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So basically that made a larger uh, pan flash and a bigger kick, but it's a 17-inch bayonet was more effective than the gun itself. Yeah, so. they had those triangular bayonets. And, well, that, what the fuck show was it? I think it's like Turn or something where it's you know set during the Revolutionary War, and they got a red coat like sergeant like teaching these guys like don't rely on the you know the as the firearm quality of this thing because half the time they don't go off. Think of it as a spear that can sometimes shoot. <laughs> oh man! So that tells you like <laughs> you know. 
At least the Mexican army was uh, well dressed. Oh, they yeah. had a, a black shako or a big, big old yeah, black like, hat with a like, like a nutcracker cap. Like, yeah, 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 with a big feather in it, so you can just shoot, 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 for that. shoot the fuck out of them. <laughs> and the zoot suits did—they were kind of a pain in the ass too. They didn't have much for artillery. He'd only go to Texas with twenty-one piece of uh, of ordnance there. His biggest were only two twelve-pounders. Uh, they didn't even bother to take many surgeons or have medical supplies. Because expendables. Mm-hmm. Mules were also scarce, too, so oxen had to be used. Which, which... was slower and can't go as far of a distance without water. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would only go eight hours a day. They had a... Oh, 40-hour week. Mm-hmm. They also had May's heart attack, which I'm sure was oh, great. God, <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh, my God. Just when you thought it couldn't get worse than heart attack. <laughs> Well, was I, I was just listening to the uh, Behind the Bastards was just doing a thing about the uh, the famine in uh, Ireland, right? Yeah. And how it, you know, it was due to, like, it's not like there wasn't enough food. It's just it was all getting exported. So they're uh, importing maize, which had to be double ground, but everybody so, and soaked overnight. But everybody was starving so bad, it didn't get double ground. They didn't soak it long enough. So then it was, like, basically tearing up their insides. Oh, Jesus Christ. So basically, nuts. picture, yeah, basically picture, like, yeah, what I'm picturing for maize heart attack is, like, take corn nuts. Grind that up into a paste, and then bake that into a hard, airless, unleavened biscuit. Oh. So it's it's drywall with chunks. That's like. when that's when you so the way you make that better is you take your bayonet off your gun and you slice your own neck open and yes. then you die. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the road up to San Antonio didn't have much pasture or water. Why? Why was that? Because well, it's South Texas. And also, what time of year was it? Uh, January. Yeah. Did you say so, soft Texas? South. Oh, South Texas. Yeah, and January doesn't be the seem to be the best growing season for most pastures. Yeah, it's just not. So e- even even down south, it's pretty. And the Texians burned off much of the grass in the area too. Fucking way to go, guys! No, oh, that's how you do. That's what the Lakota used to do. Yeah, the cavalry's chasing you, just burn the prairie oh, behind right. you because yeah, you're, you're starving out, you know. Yeah. Then you starve so, out yourself as well. No, because you're ahead of it. You but keep moving. They don't it. have any grasses. Oh, yeah, but I'm. <laughs> but they have like hay and stockpiles. Oh, okay. Of you know. course, uh, Sanyani declared his army a splendid body of troops. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on the body. And they would march overland to Texas because they didn't even have a navy to. To speak of, so. It probably would have been a little weirder. Well, I mean, they still have to go way inland, but if, yeah, if they could have sailed up a ways, that would have saved a lot of mm-hmm. casualties. Uh, let's move to Davy Crockett. Yes. How are we doing on time? We're at an hour and 20. We could probably start with Davy Crockett next, next week. Okay that's, okay, that's a perfect place to start. Yeah. All right, so for this week, uh, wow, we barely dipped our pinky toe into this. <laughs> But anyway, uh, we'll join us next week for uh, more about the Alamo. And until then, let's go out in a... Hail? Of... Coronet fire. Ooh. <laughs>